Welcome to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting on Fanimal Radio. I'm Paul Valley. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades on the sun. And joining me today from Utah Street Report is Matt Pye. Matt joined us on the show before. How are we doing today, Matt? Good. Thanks for having me again, Paul. Oh, we're thrilled to have you, man. Thanks for joining us again today. And kind of a big time in Baltimore right now. Not a, not a lot of times throughout the season that we can get excited about uh, Orioles baseball at Camden Yards, although every game at Camden Yards is an event because it's a cathedral in this game. Uh, Manny makes his triumphant return to Baltimore last night. You and I were both at the game last mm -hmm. night. What, were you, what was your take on that game last night? How did you feel about it? Did you, did you cheer? Did you boo? Or were you indifferent? Well, of course I cheered. Good. Of, of Good. course I gave a standing ovation. Um, you know, I heard limited boos. Uh, I was in the, actually the upper deck last night. Um, I'd say it was probably 80 to 90% cheers, yeah. if not a rousing ovation for him, which is what he should, that's what he deserves. Uh, he gave, you know, six and a half years to this franchise. He really, in a sense, brought winning back to Baltimore because if you look at the timing when he came up in 2012, that's when they made their playoff push. Right. Without him, it's, it's pretty arguable they wouldn't actually made it in 2012. Um, so I think he got exactly what he deserved. I think it even meant something for him. Mm -hmm, uh, absolutely. I, I was listening to his pregame press conference, and he was talking about, you know, I, I, I don't have any expectations going into this, but it'd be nice to get, like, some sort of a welcome, um, a warm welcome. Right. And I think that's exactly what he got. And I'm actually proud of the fan base for, for doing that. Yeah, I was definitely proud and happy to be there last night to see it firsthand. And it was overwhelmingly positive for Manny. And like you said, uh, you know, Orioles winning baseball uh, from 2012 to 2016 coincides with Manny Machado's arrival in Baltimore. And like mm -hmm. you said, he came in because they needed somebody to play third base. And the Orioles went from one of the worst defenses in baseball to the best defense in baseball the last two months mm -hmm. of the season yep. while Manny was here. And it was pretty remarkable that just putting Manny there helped this team that much better. They probably don't make the playoffs in 2012 without him. You're absolutely right. And you would love to have seen what, what, what that 2014 team could have done if they had Manny Machado playing third base. They, they, they made it to the ALCS, and they were four wins away from a World Series with Ryan Flaherty playing third base. And I believe Chris Davis was also on his suspension at that, yeah. at that point. So. And Matt Wieters was out with Tommy John surgery. You, yeah. know, you have those three guys. And, you know, Chris Davis only hit 196 that year, but you have those three guys on that 2014 ball club, and maybe we're talking about the Orioles' first world championship since 1983. They now, should have got there. They, they should have. They, they ran into a buzzsaw with, right. with the Kansas City Royals. They went to back-to-back -back World Series. And mm -hmm. the Orioles, the, the biggest, I can't say regret because it's not really a regret, but one of the hardest pills for me to swallow as an Orioles fan is knowing that the Orioles got swept in that ALCS four games to none and they got outscored by six runs. Right. They lost back-to-back -back games two to one. I think there was a, a three to one or a three to two and a four to two ball game in there too. Right. And it was just like they just couldn't hit. You know, mm -hmm. the pitching held up and they just couldn't hit. And it's like what could have been if you had those three offensive players in the lineup yep. in Weeders, Machado, and Davis. Um, but you know, that's for another day. We got to welcome Manny back yesterday. Like I said, like we both said, it was overwhelmingly positive. And he hit a 455-foot monster <laughs> home run for good measure. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I, I definitely noticed the audible boos being uh, stronger after, after that yeah, at right. that. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was kind of weird to see, like, after that home run, I was one of the people doing it. But it was kind of weird to see, like, so many people, like, cheering for it. Like, you don't see too many people cheering against your own team mm -hmm. when you're at the home ballpark. But I think people just kind of recognize just how truly great this player was. 
Um, I heard Trey Mancini yesterday say he's without a doubt the most talented player I've ever played with. Right. Um, so I just think it speaks to that. And, you know, man, he's had kind of a track record of, you know, some mishaps, and especially in the playoffs um, last year. But I think just what he means to this franchise alone, people should celebrate that. And if you get down to it, if you hear him in other interviews, he's actually, you know, he's a good guy. Yeah. He, he reached out to Trey Mancini after he got traded over to the Dodgers last year, and he didn't have to do that. You know, he said, just keep your head down, keep working, you're a better player than this. And I think it just speaks to his character, you know, who, who he truly is. Right, and people want to judge Manny based on uh, stuff that he did when he was 20, 21 years old. Like sure. Throwing, throwing the bat at Josh Donaldson. Now, look, okay, you can't do that. No. You know, no matter, it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 17 playing mm -hmm. in, a, in a rec ball league. Right. You can't throw your bat at somebody. Right. But we all do stupid things when we're in, in our late teens, early 20s. God knows I did, mm -hmm. you know. I think we can give him a little bit of passing. And, you know, he stepped on Aguilar's ankle last year. Some people think he plays dirty, maybe had a dirty mm -hmm. slide in a second. I think he just plays the game hard. But I am biased because I love sure, Manny. Sure, 100%. We all are. <laughs> you know, but and I think that, okay, so you have Jerry Coleman and, those, and a lot of the goofs over at 105.7 The Fan. Look, look I, I respect a lot of the guys over there at the station. I think most of them are good guys. But the commercial that they play where they called him a D-bag at the end. And yeah, then, that's... Uh... That's a little bit over the line. Like yeah. I, I listen to the, I listen to 105.7 pretty much every day. Yeah, me too. Um, I listen on my lunch break usually. Um, so like they were doing the whole shtick where it's okay. I'm gonna boo Manny so hard when he comes to the plate, and that, I think that's just kind of they have nothing else to talk about at this time of the year. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Ravens are off um, until September or whatever before training camp. Um, so I think that's just kind of riled the fan base a little bit, but. I mean, he got a lot of backlash, and Adam Jones literally just tweeted out half an hour ago um, at Jerry. So, you know, I think that's that's the minority of the fan base. So I, I don't want to get too much into, into that, but I think that's the minority of the fan base, and that's really all we need to know. Right, and, and I agree with you. And I think that, I know for me, the sentiment with Manny is you think about what could have been. We talked about that 2014 sure. team, and it's, had they built around him, had they signed him and not Chris Davis. Now, I'm not one of those people that thinks that they couldn't sign Manny because they signed Chris Davis. I think they just weren't willing to go 300 million, no matter who right. the player was. Mm -hmm. um, but Manny was ours. Yeah, you know, he was he was a trans. He is a transcendent player. Mm -hmm. He's one of those guys that you tell your grandkids you got to watch play, and you watch him leave Baltimore and come back and have the game he had last night. On yeah. base three times, mm -hmm. drives in three runs, hits a mammoth home run, right. or two runs, excuse me. Um, and you just think about that guy was on our team, and we, you know, at the time we took it for granted. You mm -hmm. know, you watch him make these diving plays down the line and in the hole, backhanded plays behind the bag, throwing guys out from foul territory, yep. clutch home run, a three home run game, including a game winning, a, a walk off home run against the Angels in 2017. Mm -hmm. You know, another two homer game against the Yankees in September of the same year that put him within a game of the wild card, yeah. uh, including the walk off. And you just you remember these things, and while they were happening, you're not you weren't sitting there thinking. Man, man, he's ours. You were just like he's on he's on our team. This is what we see. And now that he's not there, you miss it. And I, I started thinking last night: When are we ever going to see a talent like mm -hmm. Manny Machado in Baltimore again? And you know, and we're going to get into we we signed they signed Adley Rutschman. Sure. They signed Gunnar Henderson. But are they ever going to be the marquee superstar player that Manny Machado was? I, I mean, it remains to be seen, right? At this point. Um... At the time he was drafted, he was drafted third overall. 
he kind of, we'll, we'll talk about it, but he kind of had the same body type as Gunnar Henderson. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he had the potential to grow into that body. That's 6'3 frame, under 200 pounds. So um, it remains to be seen. But I think he's easily one of the top three, maybe the most talented Oral ever in just, mm -hmm. just terms of his tools and his makeup. Um, obviously, and I'd, I'd venture to say his defensive ability is better than his offensive ability. Mm -hmm. And he finished. I agree top 10 in the AL MVP three times. So that just speaks to his true talent. Right. I, I fully agree. Somebody on Twitter tried to tell me that Frank Robinson, and, and God love Frank Robinson, yeah. rest in peace. And, you know, th this, <laughs> is, this is a guy who, you know, he's a 500 home run hitter. He, uh, he does absolutely match. He only spent six or seven years in Baltimore. He's in the Hall of Fame right. as, as an Oriole. But th th that was a guy who was one of the greatest players that ever played the game, one of the best right hitters in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. But he was a corner outfielder. Yeah. You know, Manny comes in, he, he plays gold glove, platinum glove caliber defense at third base. He hits for power, for average drives and runs. Now, look, this is a Manny Love Fest, and I get it, and I, I know that I'm gushing <laughs> over the guy. It's a good episode name. Yeah, you know, yeah, the <laughs> Manny Love Fest, right? I'm, and I know I'm gushing over the guy, but it's. This is people need to understand that fans like you and I that go out to the ballpark and we cheer for Manny even though he's in another uniform, it's because he was that special. Right. You know? And if we're gonna move on a little bit, hopefully the next guy that's gonna be that special is the number one overall draft pick, Adley Rutschman, mm -hmm. who signed his contract, had his press conference yesterday, got to do hit batting practice with the Orioles yesterday. Hit one one hop off the warehouse yep. from what I hear. And he made his Orioles debut of sorts, coming out on the field and waving to everybody in the top of the fourth inning yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me a little bit about Adley Rutschman. How do you feel about that signing, and how happy are you that he's now in the fold? The biggest thing that struck me from the press conference yesterday was when they asked Michael Elias, what was the deciding factor in you drafting Adley number one? And he said his bat, which, you know, Andrew Vaughn, who was the number three overall pick, was widely considered to have the best bat in the draft. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a guy who already has a polished glove. They say his, his glove right now could pe play at the defense at the uh, major league level. Um, his own base ability is you know, incredible. He's close to 600 on base. But just the, the hit tool and the power tool at the catcher position, I think, really plays. And I think he's a better prospect than Matt Wieters was Absolutely. coming out of Georgia Tech. Um, you know, I Everything looks great for him. I mean, it, all, all signs pointing to him being a future all-star perennially. And um, I expect big things. Like you said, one hop off the warehouse, that's stuff a legend for your first batting practice as a 21-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, an interesting thing about him, he signed for $8.1 That broke the record set by Garrett Cole right. uh, eight years ago, nine years ago. Um, and that's actually more than the total slot amountment for 14 other teams. Just that oh, wow. 8.1 million. Wow, alone. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, did my homework a little bit. <laughs> there you go. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously the Orioles have a huge investment in him. Um, it's the most important decision that they're going to make in 2019. And you know, we'll just we'll, every Oriole fan will be following him closely as he ascends the minor league levels. So. Well. And what I, what I liked, and I, at first, you know, people asked me right after he got drafted, where is he going to go? Is yeah. he going to go to Aberdeen, mm -hmm. Marva? And I thought there was no chance he started anywhere below Delmarva. The more I thought about the mm -hmm. more it seemed Aberdeen was likely. But mm -hmm. then we find out during the press conference yesterday, he's going to the Gulf Coast League. Yeah. Um, now, he's only going to be there a week or two, right? right? They just, he hasn't swung a bat. He hasn't, I mean, he swung a bat, but he hasn't played a competitive baseball game in three to four weeks, mm -hmm. right? So 
They want, and he's got some more awards that he's got a, award presentations he has to go to. So they want to get his feet back under him, get him back into playing competitive yep. baseball, and then they'll probably move him up to Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised by the move? And do you think there's any shot that he ends the year with Delmarvin helps him make a playoff run? Yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised. I thought he would start in Aberdeen, um, but it makes sense because he's coming off a long season. Um, Oregon State didn't really make it too far in the college playoffs, but he went to the College World Series last year. So he's mm -hmm. coming off two long, you know, seasons, two playoff seasons. Um, so it doesn't really shock me. He's going to play a little bit of catcher this year, not a whole lot. He's probably going to end up DHing and maybe some first base as well, mm -hmm. um, just to get. Really, he's just all about getting those reps at, at the plate. Um, it's interesting to see that Gunnar Henderson's going to be there too. So you have right. the two top picks at, at Gulf Coast League. That'll be really uh, interesting storyline. Um, you mentioned, you know, obviously Delmarva's going to the playoffs. So that would be a really cool thing to see him pop up for the playoffs and kind of propel them uh, for a championship. But I think the whole Aberdeen thing is really about selling some tickets mm -hmm. um, and getting fans close to Baltimore acclimated to his style of play and they obviously want to come out to see him. Well, yeah, and I think that that, that the Ironbird same, it's, it's a great ballpark oh, experience at, at Aberdeen. You know, I've been there. I've actually played baseball in that same mm -hmm. lot in the past so like, I, like I've been there and it's beautiful it's a great experience and they're gonna fill that stadium when Adley gets I'll up. be there yeah I'll, uh, God knows I'll be there <laughs> so yep. uh, look and you mentioned Gunnar Henderson we're gonna get a word from our sponsor real quick but when we come back we're gonna talk about Gunnar Henderson what he signed for he signed a little bit over a little bit over slot but I think a little bit less or did you say you may have said less or more just a little bit under what I thought he would a little bit under what you thought he would sign for so we'll talk about him and we'll get into the one last pick that the Orioles haven't signed yet but uh, we'll talk about that here in just but first, a word from our sponsors. In your home, sunshine can stream in through windows, bringing a cheerful feel and warmness to any room. Sometimes, though, it brings in too much warmth, even harmful ultraviolet light and solar energy that can raise energy bills, drain the color from your fabrics and furnishings, and cast a blinding glare on your television or computer screens. DNL Window Tinting can protect your home from all of this while saving you money on energy bills. Start saving today by calling DNL at 410-941-2942. That's 410-941-2942. Welcome back to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting. And still here with me in studio is Matt Pine. And we were just talking about Adley Rutschman, and you mentioned Gunnar Henderson. And uh, Gunnar Henderson, he was an Auburn commit. Mm -hmm. He'll go play shortstop there. One of the, the, the number 27 overall prospect yes. in the draft, one of the top hitting shortstops coming out of high school. Um, but the Orioles signed him for $2.3 million, which was overslot by about $600,000. But you thought he might sign for a little bit more. Am yeah. I right? He was a pretty strong Auburn commit. His brother plays there. Mm -hmm. His brother's going to be a senior next year. Um, and he never he, he mentioned, I was watching the press conference today with him, he mentioned that uh, they never really got to play together. So that really meant a lot to him. But when you're throwing that kind of money to a high school player, it's really difficult to turn it down. Mm -hmm. um, he ended up signing for $2.3 million. I, I had him right around two point five, so pretty close to my, my estimation. Um, and obviously the Orioles were going to save money with, with Adley Rutschman because mm -hmm. he was an 8.4 slot and signed for 8.1, so they could use that slot money for Gunner. Um, I, I like Gunnar Henderson a lot. I mean, he's 6'3", 195. 17 years old, so he's got a lot of time to grow into that body. Uh, right As of right now, he's a shortstop. I don't think he's going to stick at shortstop. I think he's going to end up being a, th a corner guy, maybe third base. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that's, that's going to play out over the next three or four years. He's got plenty of time before he, he's going to make his debut with the Orioles. Um, well, I think it's important that they got him signed because that's a high pick to not sign. Yeah. Right? Um, 
And you don't hear that often of the first pick in the second round ends up not signing with the ball club that drafted him. Uh, a lot of people were saying, is Gunner, were asking me, is Gunner going to sign? Is Gunner going to sign? And with this regime, uh, and look, I've trusted them blindly, mm-hmm. okay, because we're, we're told that they're the best in the business, yep. right? So I've, I, I follow them blindly until they give me a reason not to. And, I, and my response to everybody that asked me was, they wouldn't have drafted him if they didn't think they could sign him. Right. Not, sure. with, not with that high of a pick. So I, I was fully confident that they were going to sign him. And the fact that they signed him almost two weeks before mm-hmm. the signing period ended mm-hmm. shows to me that it was never really in doubt. Yeah, I mean, generally when you pick a guy that high within the first three rounds as a high school player, you think you're going to sign him. Mm-hmm. The Mets drafted the best high school pitcher in this year's draft, Matthew Allen, in the third round. I mean, you're not doing that unless you absolutely know for a fact you're signing him. So um, I, it, it really was never in doubt, but if Adley was going to sign for the full slot, it would have been a little more tenuous. Gotcha. Well, uh, now, with Adley and Gunner signing, the Orioles have signed 10 of their top 11 picks, mm-hmm. with the exception of their what, the fourth-round pick. I believe so, yeah. Uh, out of LSU, center fielder Zach Watson, uh, once he joins the organization, becomes arguably their best defensive outfielder. Yeah. Got, got a lot of speed, got a great glove. He's got an, a fringy arm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's got a good, if not, he's got a solid bat. You know, it's nothing that's going to overwhelm you, but it could, you know, once he gets some pro ball under him and some pro coaching, yep. he could become a solid everyday center fielder for the Orioles. You know, if Austin Hayes can, you know, can't keep yeah. himself healthy like he hasn't been able to do. Uh, Zach Watson, what do you think the holdup is? Um, I think it's just it's just a... So basically, they, they drafted Kyle Stowers from Stanford. Mm-hmm. Same type of player. Stowers has a little bit better arm. He has a really good throwing arm. Um, but you're figuring, you're, I'm going to sign one of those two guys if I'm signing the first two picks guaranteed. Right. I'm not saying they won't sign Watson, but it's just not going to be probably what he's looking for. Um, so another thing about Watson, he's playing in the SEC, so he's also playing the best competition in college baseball. Mm-hmm. So even if his offensive numbers aren't where you want him to be, he's playing the best competition versus somebody who you drafted. Like they drafted a Division three player. So mm-hmm. it's obviously going to be different there. Um, but, yeah, assigning 10 of the first 11 this early is a major accomplishment. Um, the other kid they didn't sign, who's the 11th-round pick, Andrew Dashback from uh, Stanford. He's, he's in another case just like Watson. Um, it's gonna be he's gonna be a little tougher to sign, but like you said, we're following these guys blindly. I mean, mm-hmm. Elias and company know what they're doing. He has a scouting background, and he's played the slot game before with Carlos Gray and others. So, and and you know what? If they don't sign Zach Watson, I I can't say I won't be upset. Yeah. But I'm not gonna lose sleep over the, it. They they signed their top three picks. I'm happy with the draft and who they've got and who they they've signed, and I'm I'm excited for the future. The the priorities are the first two or three picks. After that, I don't want to say it's a wash, but you know what you're getting with the first two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they even have a, if they don't sign Watson, they're saving that slot money that they can actually give to a high school player that they drafted way late in the 35th round or later. Um, there's a guy I really like named Ben Peterson. He's a high school pitcher out of Minnesota, and you know he he has a commit to college. But if they could use some of that extra slot money, give him over a million dollars, that would be a huge win coming out of like the late 30th round. Oh. You know. Uh, you seem to know more about that about that than I do, and we're really glad to have you here to talk about it. Um, we talk about these players who we're getting excited for the future, and I think a lot of fans seeing Adley and Gunner and Kyle Stowers signing are excited about the future, but are we putting undue pressure, an unfair pressure, on these draft picks to be the savior of a downtrodden franchise? 
100%. I mean, it, no, like the expectations we had for Matt Wieters. Matt Wieters was actually a really good baseball player. He was a great catcher mm-hmm. for his first few years. It's just the hype behind him was so immense. It's just like he's, you know, Joe Maurer with power. He could never live up to those expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, Manny talked about it in his press conference yesterday. He's like, I didn't really feel any pressure. Um, you know, he, he was coming after Matt Wieters, after a couple of those other guys. He was the third overall pick. He's not the 1-1 pick. Um, they hadn't start winning yet, so he didn't feel any pressure. Adley's going to feel a mountain of pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems like he has a really good head on his shoulders, and, he, and he's just a true-born leader. I mean, you just... Listening to his interviews, he sounds like he's he's confident. His player, his um, other players that he played with at Oregon State adore him. You know, he's their guy that they look to, their captain. Um, so if there's anyone who could handle the pressure, I think he's the guy that, to do it. I, I agree. He seems to be the type of player that rises to the occasion. And the first time I ever heard about Adley Rutschman was even after the College World Series. There, there was an interview with Caden Grenier, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how the Orioles had the first overall draft pick. And he said, if I were them, I'm taking... Adley. I'm, yeah. t- I'm taking Rutschman, and I'm like, who is this guy? I don't mm-hmm. want him. I want Witt. Right. And then I, I can thank Caden Grenier for putting Adley Rutschman on my radar because I started following the guy, and then I turned pretty quickly from wanting Witt mm-hmm. to wanting Rutschman. And it's a guy who just he helps the ball club, the franchise, in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So one other thing about Adley Rutschman, he broke the College World Series record last year with 17 hits in the College World Series. Mm-hmm. That's just three games. I mean, that's insane. Or not three games, it was the, over the the playoffs, but but still, that's a guy who can shine on the biggest stage. Mm-hmm. So he's already proved that. Um, so I don't think pressure's going to get to him. Yeah, it se- seems to have a good head on his shoulders. Comes from a good family. And what I really liked is hearing that his dad didn't force him to play baseball. You know, what I mean, he was like, I won't play catch with my son unless he asks me to play with him. I won't yep. push him towards anything. I want him to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's in this day and age where you want your kids to be- make decisions for themselves and the decisions that they can make. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to give him the leeway to decide, hey, I want to play baseball, and thank God for that because we seem to have gotten a gem here. Yeah, I agree. There is something else I wanted to ask you about Go for it. before we end the show. Um, the baseball team, like we said, about the actual club, they're really bad. We're watching the game last <laughs> yeah. night. We're in the stadium, and you know, you're excited. You see Manny come in. The Orioles score a run in the first inning. They go up one nothing, and that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they end up losing that ball game 8-3. to three. They were down 8-2 to two by, like, the fourth inning, yep. right? And I'm sitting there, and our mutual friend, our editor over at Utah Street Report, Derek Arnold, he met mm-hmm. me for a beer uh, at, the ball, at the ballpark last night, and I asked him, can the Orioles go into next season with the same mentality that they have this season? And let, let me explain that a little bit. So this year is a transition year, right? Mm-hmm. This is that, that first year under Michael Elias and Sig Dell and Brandon Hyde. It's the first year where John Lewis and Angelos are basically saying, hey, we're kind of calling the shots, but you do what you want to do, and mm-hmm. we're good with whatever you want to do. So for me, it's a transition year, right? There's not a major league pitcher on this roster, at least not in the bullpen. You look at hey, you, have, you have John Means, you have yeah. Dylan Bundy, and, Brand, and, and Andrew Kashner's been you know, serviceable, serviceable, right? Yeah. Um, but other than that, in that bullpen specifically, you don't really have a major league pitcher. Right. And these games are brutal. And the, the, the scores would imply that you don't have the major league pitching. Next year, we don't expect them to compete. 
But can they keep sending out the same product next year that they're sending out this year and expect to keep a fan base? Because we're not even halfway through the season, and this has been the most brutal season of Orioles baseball I have ever seen. And I stuck around for every inning of every game <laughs> for 14 years when they couldn't win. Right. Uh, that's a loaded question. Um, I think there's a few answers to that. I think, A, the mindset shouldn't be, oh, we need to tank, we need to lose games. Mm-hmm. But there is a process that's ongoing, and that process is we slowly integrate um, talent into the system. We slowly integrate uh, talent onto the major league roster, and I think that process cannot be sped up or expedited in any way. Mm -hmm. In the same token, I think next year we're going to see some prospects trickle in, Uh, guys like Keegan Aiken, Zach Lowther, some of these double-A pitchers may be using Al Diaz, Ryan Mountcastle. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to be a lot of the same no-name players that we're going to see. Right. I think it's going to be still a lot of losing next year, but I don't think that's going to be for lack of prospects being promoted or service time issues. Right. Um, if you look in Houston, they had a 0.0 rating when they were in their awful years. That means they couldn't identify a single person who was watching a Houston Astros game in that market. Wow. Those fans came back. Mm. After they started winning in 2015, they were packing the ballpark almost every night. I think we're going to see the same thing in Baltimore because, I mean, we have two teams here, so it's not like we have a whole lot of options. Right. Um, this, this fan base, like Adley said, it's really close-knit. It's, it's um, you know, we all know each other through Twitter. Or we'll see each other at games or whatever. So the fans will come back. They need to see a product on the field, but I think next year with the prospects that we'll see, we'll start to just see the surface, break the surface of the potential that this club has. Well, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I fully believe in the fans of Baltimore. Yeah. I fully believe that they'll be back to see winning mm-hmm. Orioles baseball. I know it for a fact. I've been there. You right. know? Um, but it's a question you have to ask, mm-hmm. right? Because they're getting, you know, on, on a normal Tuesday night when Manny Machado is not in town and they're yeah. not introducing the first-round draft pick, they have six, 7,000 fans. It's pitiful. At the ballpark, it, it's awful. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard to watch a team that's this bad and they keep losing for the same reason yeah. every night. And so I'm not worried about the, the, the offense. I'm mm-hmm. not worried about the position players that are coming up. I think Mountcastle's going to hit. I think Diaz is going to hit. I'm not worried about that. I'm excited to see Hunter Harvey. Right. I think that they're moving him into a relief role, and he's been absolutely dominant since you've, they moved him to a reliever. You've been killing it reporting on him as yeah. a reliever. Yeah, he's, he's, been, he's had three straight relief appearances, uh, and I don't want to steal too much from the prospect report that we're going to do because <laughs> he's, he's the first guy we're going to talk about sneak in there. Peek. But <laughs> nine innings, one hit allowed yeah. with 11 strikeouts in, in his last three relief appearances. That is a power arm that could <sighs> have a long major league career by switching from a starter to a reliever. You're talking about a super small sample size, Mm -hmm. but you're talking about what we've seen in that sample size is extremely promising. And if you carve out a role for him in the bullpen, he's your next star closer. I mean, if he can translate that to the... To the big leagues, and you know, not be a starter where I don't think he's logged at you know that many innings. So I he don't hasn't. Think there's not a track record for for anybody to say, oh, he's definitely a starter. Mm-hmm. I think if you put him in that closer role, he would only flourish. Um, so I think there's there's small silver linings that Orioles fans can look to at least for next season. Well, and you look at it, you can compare him to Zach Britton. 100%. Somebody from, from the, the same organization. Zach Britton came up as a starter. We thought he was going to be a stud. So did Jim Johnson. Yeah, and they were, they were okay mm-hmm. as starters at best. But Zach Britton had that one devastating pitch, that high 90 sinker yep. that nobody could touch. 
Hunter Harvey has that devastating 100-mile-an-hour fastball out of the bullpen plus a pretty nasty curveball on top of that. That's got reliever written all over it. Why well, focus on a few things when you could do one thing really, really well? Right, right. And it's, it's crazy to see these starters, it, when they're in the starting mentality, they go out there, and if they can throw 100, they're throwing 93 and 94. Right. But when they know they only have to work in one or two winning spurts, mm -hmm. they're dialing it up to 98, 99, 100 miles an hour. Tommy Hunter did the same thing when right. he came over from Texas. Um, so we're, we've seen it time and time again. There's, there's enough of a, a case study, if you will, to look back and say, oh, this actually works. And I think Hunter Harvey's a perfect candidate for that. His dad was a closer, so he has the lineage, too. Um, so, like you said, some, some not so exciting stuff, some exciting stuff, but Overall, you just got to stay the course if you're a fan. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like, like, like we said, it's, it's hard to watch. But guys like Hunter Harvey and Ryan Mountcastle and Keegan Egan and Zach Lowther, like you mentioned, they give you hope for the future. And these draft picks give you hope for the future. So uh, really exciting stuff. And hopefully, you know, we can watch the Orioles start to improve. And we, we're not going to see it in, in the standings right, right away. But there are things to look for on the field. And you can start look for, looking for better baseball being played. I think if you want to look at a quick thing, if you want to look at a few teams right now like the Padres and the White Sox mm -hmm. who have already been in this rebuild for a few years, they're actually starting to win too. Right. So if you look at that, that slow progression, I think you can expect the same thing. I agree. So now that's going to do it for the payoff pitch. Thanks again to Matt Pine from Utah Street Report joining me today. Uh, once again, I'm Paul Valley, and this has been the payoff pitch by DNL Window Tinting on Fanimal Radio. Tune in next week. Thanks for joining us.